I'm going to preach from this text, Romans chapter 8. And, and I want to share this with you because I, as a communicator and as a preacher, there's often times that we feel the responsibility to share God's word. And it's a heavy, heavy weight to carry, to, to be able to share God's word, to be someone that's going to speak on behalf of God what he wants to say to his people. And I want to be honest, like this week, I just really believe more than usual, because we usually feel this, but more than usual do I feel like God wants you to hear this word today. And so if you're in this place, and if you're watching online, I genuinely believe this is not just lip service, this is not just me just kind of just uh, giving rhetoric here. I just genuinely believe that God wants you to hear this message. And upon hearing this message, I truly believe that if you allow it to speak to your soul, your life will change from this day forward. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's begin reading Romans chapter 8, verse 38. I have 42 minutes and I'm excited. Javi, I'm wearing my Crocs. Do you know what that means? I'm comfortable. I had to wear socks because they say you can't wear Crocs without socks. Is that true? You can't? Right? Someone's... I got Angie up in the front. Come on. I got, when Angie and Teresha are in the front, the message is going to be good. Come on, somebody. Ready? <laughs> Romans chapter 8, verse 38. A very familiar passage of scripture. It says, I am convinced. I wanted to just stop there. I just wanted to stop there. And I want to take a pause. What, what is about to be heard what you're about to hear the apostle paul was absolutely persuaded convinced assured can't nobody tell him different what comes next i am convinced and and here's what i i genuinely feel like i wonder what comes out what comes after that sentence when you say it what is it that you are convinced of i am listen i am convinced let me share what the Apostle Paul says. He says, I am convinced that nothing can separate me from the love of God. <laughs> I'm so convinced that neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor demons. Hey, what about fears? Nope, not them. For today, what about the fears of tomorrow? Nope, not then. Not even the hey, hold on a second. What about the devil and his demons and hell? What about not even the, nah, I'm so convinced that not even the powers of hell can create a gap, can create a disconnection and a distance between me and God's love. My title to today's message is simply this. I am convinced. Look at the person next to you. Tell them, I am convinced. Tell them, no, tell them like you mean it. Tell them, I am convinced. Come on, one more time online. Say, I am convinced. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your love. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you give us this incredible privilege not only experiencing your love but getting to share this love with the world there is no greater feeling 
than the one of knowing that we are loved by you. With everything that's happening in our world, with all the tension that our world is experiencing, particularly our country is experiencing, the only thing that can anchor us is that we're loved by you. I pray that we may be convinced of that today more than ever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, give the Lord a strong clap offering of praise one more time. I am convinced. You know, I usually like starting a message by asking possibly a rhetorical question, but you can just answer it or, or, as you please. But uh, have you ever been convinced of the wrong thing? Nobody. No, we're right all the time. No, no, seriously. Have you ever been convinced of the wrong? All right, how about, not, how about, how about, maybe not you. Has someone you know, has someone you know ever been convinced, persuaded, like in denial, convinced about the wrong thing? If you've, if you're married, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So <laughs> a whole lot of amen strength going around over there. And, and this, is why I, this is why I hate dreams. I hate dreams because um, not too long ago, um, I wake up. And, and as I wake up, uh, she's upset. She is upset. She's absolutely livid. And I'm like, we just woke up. We just woke up and I'm like, are you okay? She's like, I'm not okay. I'm like, what do you mean you're not okay? She's like, no, I'm not okay. I don't even know what to do right now. I'm like, what in the world? I still got eye boogers. What's going on? Are you, baby, what's, what's going on? And she's like, no, I had a dream. I'm like, oh Lord, it's only downhill from here. And I'm like, what's going on? She goes, no, 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 I don't even know what to do right now. I'm, you know, I had this dream and Ro and you were, Ro, you were cheating on me. And I'm like, oh, everybody calm down. Everybody calm down right now. I'm like, baby, it's going to be okay. It was just a dream. No, 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 no. No, I'm, no, no, Ro. Something's wrong. Why am I having a dream that you're cheating on me? And I'm like, I'm asking myself the same question. And she is absolutely convinced, no, Ro, something's up. Why is it that I'm having a dream that you're cheating on me? I'm like, baby, I am the man of your dreams. I'm not the man in that dream. Come on, somebody. And like, listen, I don't know why you're having that dream, but I just want to let you know, baby, that I love you. Baby, that I'm here to reassure you that I'm your man for the last 11 years. I've been a one-woman man. You're the only one for me. I only have eyes for you, baby. It's from, it's from infinity and beyond. Me and you solely forsaking all others. Can't nobody get in the way of me and you. I don't know who that devil worshiper was in your dream, but this guy right here is the lover of your soul. Come on, somebody. I just thank God that in those moments where you are convinced of the wrong thing, there's possibly a stronger thing and a stronger truth that can dissuade you of what you've been persuaded by. 
And I thought about that because, see, Lisa was convinced in that moment something was wrong when nothing was going on. But the fact that she was able to rely on a stronger truth was able to unconvince herself from the lie she was believing momentarily. And here's what I have to say because I think that too many of God's children have been convinced about and convinced by the wrong thing when it comes to their relationship with Jesus. I got to tell you, so many of God's children have allowed themselves to be convinced about the wrong thing when it comes to their relationship with God. Too many of us have been convinced about our fears more than we are about our faith. Too many of us have been convinced more about man's opinion and what man has to say about us than we are about the truth of God's word. Too many of us have been convinced, I've been convinced by the lies that are whispered by the enemy than I am of all that God has proclaimed and declared over my life. And my prayer for you today is this, that as you listen to this message, that you will be reminded and that you will be convinced about what God has to say about you, that you will be convinced about what God has already declared about you, that you'll be convinced the same way the Apostle Paul was convinced that you are going to receive everything that he's declared and promised over your life. Someone shout, I am convinced. I am convinced. And this is what the Apostle Paul says. He says, I am convinced. And if you follow the pattern, there's about three or four times where the Apostle Paul uses this terminology to communicate. He says, I am convinced. And what I want to share for you today is on three instances where the Apostle Paul says what he is convinced of. What I find interesting is that these are also three areas that after talking to numerous amounts of people throughout the years in ministry, I also find it that these three areas are the areas where so many of God's children struggle in. So many of God's children are, have allowed doubt to creep in and fear to creep in and men's opinion to unconvince themselves of what God has already affirmed and declared and established. And this is what the Apostle Paul says. Here's the first one. We read it earlier. He says, I am convinced that nothing, no thing, nada, zilch, zero, no thing can separate me from the love of God. Like, I want you to hear the, the kind of language the Apostle Paul is using because what he's saying is, is, listen, I am convinced, I am persuaded, I am assured. I may not be assured about a lot of things. I may not be secure about a lot of things. I may have doubt in different areas of my life, but here's one thing I don't have a doubt about. I am absolutely assured, convinced, and, and know in my heart of hearts and in my knower that there is nothing that can separate me from the love of God. And I want you to write it down in your notes this way. I am convinced that God loves me no matter matter what. I need you to hear that today. I am convinced that God loves me no matter what. I, 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 need you to, I need you to hear that in your spirit. I am convinced that God loves me no matter what. Are we convinced about God's love the way the apostle Paul was convinced? Because he wasn't sort of convinced. He wasn't like, hey, uh, it kind of seems to me that nothing can separate me 
from the love of God? No, no. He's like, I am convinced. I, want, I, I, put, I wrote it down like this in my notes. He was on some can't nobody tell me otherwise. Conviction. Like, have you ever been in can't nobody tell me otherwise kind of conviction? I'm about to step on the floor right here. It's so deep right here. Have you ever been there? Like, have you ever been at that place? Can't nobody tell me otherwise kind of conviction. Like, no, nah, you can't tell me otherwise. I am absolutely convinced, persuaded. I know this in my know. I know this for sure. You've been in that place where people think you're crazy? Like, I am convinced. Like, someone asked me not too long ago. They were like, hey, what would you do if somebody knocked on your door and was like, Excuse me, Mr. Remedios, we want to have a conversation with you. We did some investigation, and upon investigation, we realized that Emmanuel B. Remedios is not your son. And upon further investigation, we've realized that Sailor Angel Remedios is not your daughter. We have found that their DNA evidence shows that it is actually Brad Pitt. <laughs> to which I say that explains the dirty blonde hair and the incredible good looks that they have. But I, I don't know about you, but like, my answer was like, yeah, they could knock on my door all they want. Excuse me? What, what'd she say? Oh, <laughs> you saying Emmanuel and Sailor are not my kids? Oh, no, can't nobody tell me they ain't my kids. Oh, no, no. <laughs> that's cute and dandy and all that. That's, that's, that's also awesome. But can't nobody tell me that Bishop is not my son. Can't nobody. No, 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 no. You, no, you don't understand. Like, no, no. Like, you don't. No. <laughs> excuse, excuse me. Excuse me, <laughs> you better back up. You better back up. And I'm the quiet one. Don't let me, don't let me bring their stepmom out here. <laughs> Listen, I don't, I don't care where you came from, but I, I don't care. I don't, I don't care. They are my kids. I saw them being born. I brought them home. I gave them my last name. I fed them when they were hungry. I raised them and I tap them out now. Those are my kids. I'm going to take one on one shoulder and I'm going to take another on another shoulder. And like Conor McGregor said, you're going to need an army to come take these kids away from Come with your DNA evidence. Come with your scientific scientific proof. You can come, Mari Povich could step out my door and say, you are not the daddy. And I'll say, sucker, guess what? They're my kids. And can't nobody, can't nobody tell me different. Can I tell you that that's where Paul was? He was at that place. Can't nobody tell me that something could separate me from God's love. There is nothing that can disconnect me. There is nothing that can weaken my connection. There is nothing that can get a gap between me and God. See, what I see happen all the time throughout the years, I've been in ministry now since I was 18 years old. And I know some of you are thinking, oh, it's like two years. Who's laughing over there? Isaiah, calm down, all right? <laughs> but I've seen this over and over throughout the years. This is what I see. I see people that are absolutely convinced of God's love. And it kind of looks like this. This is like the journey of salvation. It's like, oh, my God, look how amazing. Lord, thank you for your love. It's like God's grace just knocks them 
off their feet. God's grace overwhelms them. God's grace just saturates them. And I've seen so many people experience that, that raw love of God that is unconditional, that is uncensored, this love that just overwhelms you, that this love that just saturates you. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that my sins have been cleansed. Lord, I thank you that I don't deserve your love, but you love me anyway. Lord, I thank you that I was a wretched man and I was a wretched woman, but Lord, you love me. Lord, I thank you. And then we've encountered that amazing, unadulterated love of God. And I'm like, yo, I'm so convinced that God loves me. And if he loves me like this, he could love you too. I can't imagine that something can separate me from God's love. And then here's what happens. I love God so much. Oh, man, I'm going to church. This is awesome. I'm building in community. Lord, oh, this is amazing. Lord, oh, Lord, I'm going to go to growth track, and I'm going to serve in growth track, and I'm, and I'm going to do, and I'm going to serve, and, and then temptation comes. And then in a vulnerable moment, you give into temptation. You give into it. It's like, oh, oh man. It's okay, it's okay, because God loves me, right? You still, you still love me though, right? Right? Like, you still love me? Yeah, you love me? You love me? Yeah, 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 okay, okay. All right, all right, all right, all right. I just got to get back on the horse. I, got I just got to get back on the horse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. I went to the altar call. They prayed for me. I fell three times. Let's go. I'm ready. I'm back up. I'm going. I'm going. Let's go. Let's go. Oh, come on. Come on. Yeah, that's right. We're worshiping. We're singing. We're going to Bible study. We're, this is what we're doing. Oh, man, we're doing videos. Let's go. Let's go. Let's, let. And then in a moment of temptation, you give in to your feelings and you react in an emotionally toxic way. And then it's like, oh, dang, man. Messed up again. Oh, gosh. All right. All right, God. All right, God. I know you're not even looking God's way. You're like, oh, yeah, I know. I know. I know you love me, God. I know. I know. All right, let's just go to church. Let's go to church. Yeah. Oh, this is, this is good. This is good. God loves me. God loves me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't feel like praying anymore, and I don't feel like worship. Do you still love me? And what was an organic response? When did it turn into the thing that you do to get God to do something for you that he was already doing freely? I've seen it. I've seen it. And then by this point of our, in our journey, we are more convinced about our sin than we are about his saving grace. I've seen it. I've seen it. One of the things that I see as a pastor, as an evangelist, it was amazing because you did altar calls, everybody got saved. It was awesome. But as a pastor, you see the journey. And what you see is just people convinced of something, but then life has dissuaded them from what they were already convinced of and established in them. And I just came to tell somebody today, I came to remind someone today, that what God gave you freely, no matter where you are in your journey, you don't ever have to earn it. And, and, and what he wants you to know today is that his picking you up power is greater than your falling down power. See, th th this is what I think sometimes happens. Like I remember one time, uh, Bishop, um, he's not here so I can talk about him. 
I remember one time, a bishop was about 12 years old, and I, and I pick him up from school on Fridays. So I show up at his school, and he's playing with some of his friends, and he's like on this like circle thing, and they're like spinning each other and spinning each other. And so I grab Sailor first, so I'm walking now up to Bishop. Now, he hasn't noticed that I'm there yet. And so I'm walking towards where he is, and I see him spinning on this thing, and I can't believe my eyes or my ears. The boy was spinning, he falls off, and he goes, oh, sh and it wasn't the sermon that we preached a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> and I said, this cussing, dirty mouth sailor has been lying to me all these years. And watch this, watch this. See, see I'm, I'm, I'm a good father, but I'm not a perfect father. And, and I remember Bishop, the way he approaches me. See, the way Bishop always approaches me when I pick him up is with this big hugging kiss. Daddy! I haven't seen him all week, so I'm picking him up from school Friday night. Pick him. He's 12 years old. You know how he approached me this time? It was like this, look. Like, you ever, you ever approach somebody like, did you just see what just happened? I, oh, man, I don't know if you saw it. So I'm going to act. I can't act normal. Because I'm not sure if you saw it. Because if you did see it, then I got to get ready. And if you didn't see it, you know, I can't, I'm not so sure that I can act like normal just in case you did see it. And that's how he was looking at me. He was looking at me like, hey. I, huh? He was trying to fill me out. You know, he was trying to fill me out like, hi, dad. Can I tell you that that's a picture of how we approach God so many times? Yeah. It's like that. It's like. Um, yeah, um, I'm, I'm supposed to like, uh, pray right now, but I know you saw me curse. I'm supposed to worship right now, but I'm not sure if you want me to God, because you probably called me a hypocrite because of what I was doing last night. God wants to remind you today. When did your power of addiction become greater than his power of love? I came to tell somebody today that your power to sin pales in comparison to his power to save. Your power to be addicted falls to its knees to his power to break you free of any type of addiction. Come on, come on. I am convinced. Listen, this is what the Apostle Paul is saying. Listen, I am persuaded. I am persuaded that my sinning power doesn't compare to his saving power. I'm, I'm persuaded that me dropping the ball doesn't compare to him picking me up and lifting me up. I am convinced that greater than any mess up or anything that I can do, it's what he has already done on the cross of Calvary when he demonstrated his love for me. He says, I am convinced. I, I love the, the way the, the TPT translations, this is Javi's favorite Bible translation, the Passion Translation. So now, I live with the confidence that there is nothing in the universe 
Go ahead, start listening to them. Start listening to them. Start listening to things in the universe and see if they can get in between of your, God's love for you. There's nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I am convinced that his love will triumph over death. His love will triumph over your troubles. His love will triumph over fallen angels. His love has triumphed over dark rulers. His love over anything in heaven or everything on earth, any sin you committed, anything that you could conjure up. His love has triumphed over that. If you believe that in this place, give God a praise. And just in case, just in case, maybe you're here today and maybe you need a little bit more convincing. Well, let me read to you Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and 23. It says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Ephesians chapter 2, verses, verses 4 and 5 says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ Jesus by the grace we have been saved. Oh, let me take you to the Old Testament. Psalm chapter 136, verse 26. Praise the God of heaven because his faithful love will last forever oh can I tell you what kind of love is this John chapter 15 verse 9 he says I have loved you the same way the father has loved me can I tell you how God loves you that in the same way God loved his perfect innocent son God extends that same kind of love to you in his son he says I am I'm convinced. I wonder what it would look like if we lived our lives convinced that God loves us no matter what. Can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with people who have served God for years and years and years and years and years. And one of their biggest struggles is this. People have told me, you know, Ro, you like, you preach it so much. I've heard you talk about the love of God so much. Why is it that I feel like I can't get it? Why is it that I still feel like somehow I have some type of involvement in that? Like, okay, he loves me, but it's probably because... <sighs> Paul says, nah, there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. There's a second thing that the Apostle Paul says, and I think it's one of the, I think it's the second struggle that we have as human beings and as God's children. And the second struggle is this, is found in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 7. It says, I constantly thank my God, whom I serve with a clear conscience, as my ancestors did when I remember you in my prayers, night and day, recalling your tears, longing to see you so that I can be filled with joy. Look what verse 5 says. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first, he says, I'm reminded of something. I'm reminded of a sincere faith that you possessed. It, but it started way before you, because which first existed in your grandmother Louise and your mother Eunice. And I am convinced that this, wait, what? He goes, I'm convinced. I'm convinced that this faith also exists in you. For this reason, I'm reminding you to fan into flames the gift of God that is within you through the laying of, a hand, of hands. For God did not give us a spirit of fear or timidity, but the one of power and love 
and of self-discipline. Can I, can I give you the second thing that we need to be convinced of? Write this down. I am convinced that God has placed a calling on my life. I am convinced that God loves you no matter what. And I am convinced that God has placed a calling on your life. And, and, and in the context that we're reading in today, let me just kind of build here. The Apostle Paul is writing this letter to Timothy because many scholars believe that Timothy is going through one of the most discouraging times in his ministry. One of the most discouraging times in his life. The discouragement was something along the lines that he started as a pastor and he was rocking it. But then persecution and, and obstacles started to arise and Timothy began to take steps back. And he began to take steps back because he started doubting that he was the right man for the job. Have you ever persuaded yourself that you don't qualify for what God has called you to do? Have you ever convinced yourself that someone else is way more qualified to do the job that God has called over you and that people have spoken over you and, and Louise and grandma and mama? Paul says, no, I'm convinced, Timothy. I'm convinced that the same, they, they have a calling, but you have a calling too. And he says, he says it three times. He says, it's in you. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but I want to remind you that it's in you. I want to remind you that it's in you. And what he says, he goes, the thing that is in you, he goes, that, that faith, he uses this word, the gift that is in you, you need to fan the flame. And this word gift is not like, um, like a talent or a capability or an ability. That's not what he's speaking of. In the original language, when he uses the word gift, what he's actually speaking about is purpose. Someone shout purpose. So what he's speaking about is purpose. And I looked it up in the original language, and the purpose that we're talking about, watch this, it's this, a unique grace to accomplish a special work that has been assigned to you. It's crazy that Reuben spoke about this in our team rally. He says, hey, Timothy, God has given you a unique grace to accomplish a special work that God has assigned you. And I can imagine Timothy, if I'm Timothy, I'm like, nah, why don't you go roll with Luke? Luke could do it now. Oh, why don't you roll with Barnabas? Because Barnabas is your traveling companion. Maybe you should roll with Barnabas. But he, what he's saying, he says, no, no, no. You've been called to Ephesus. You've been called to that church. They've been, they've been given a unique grace to accomplish a special work that God has assigned them. But you've been given a unique grace to accomplish a special work that God has assigned you. And maybe you're in this place and you, you might say, listen, I don't know if God can use me. Can I remind you that Paul the, Paul the apostle was convinced that God has placed a calling upon your life. That there is a grace upon your life. That is not the same grace that's on Anthony. That it's not the same grace that's on Lisa. There is something that God has placed on the inside of you. And I look at the faces in this auditorium and I can't just, I can just imagine the enemy trying to convince you that you're not called, that you're not qualified but the Holy Spirit came to remind somebody today, listen, there is a unique grace that I've placed on the inside of you there is a unique anointing that I've 
I've placed and there's an assignment that I've given you. It's not for Pastor Roe. It's not for Lisa. It's not for Yvette. There is something that I have given you so that you can release into the world. I came to remind someone that if God can use a staff to deliver Egypt, he can use you. I came to remind somebody today that if God can use a slingshot, let me tell you, he can use you. I came to tell somebody today that if God can use some mud, he can use you. I came to remind somebody today that if God could take two pieces of wood and three nails to save the entire world, he can use you. I dare you to give God a shout of praise. Sorry, I'm excited. Let me calm down. God has placed the calling on your life. And oftentimes what happens is in our journey is that we start off in the first step of our calling and things are going good. And here's what I've seen throughout the years over and over. Here's what happened. Look, this is how we get discouraged of our calling. Two things begin to happen. Two things. One is this. One route is this. This is where discouragement comes. Oh, man, this is exciting. I love serving. I love, this is awesome. Oh, this is great. But then life begins to happen. And, and, now, and now your calling is being tested. But what happens is that you begin to look at other people's race. And what God has called other people to do. And then you become dissatisfied with what God has called you to do. I've seen it. Oh. I'm doing this every, every Sunday now. I got to set up pipe and drape every single Sunday. I didn't sign up for this. It was awesome when I just came and sat down. Now I got to set up. And now no one else is setting up. Mm-hmm. I'm the only one setting up. And so what happens is we either take that road or we take this road. Oh, man, I'm, I'm the one setting up. They need me. God, I remember I had a conversation with somebody over the phone. And they told me, Psh, man, when I get saved, woo, those millions are going to come to Jesus. I was like, amen, brother. Amen. But sometimes we live in that place and what happens? We either get tossed by discouragement or we get tripped up by pride and what the apostle Paul wants to remind you is that it's a grace that's been given to you freely so there's nothing that you've done to earn it or deserve it so the same way you received it is the same way you sustain it let me give you the last thing as Javi comes up I have it in my notes MD call MD please rise and come forward. <laughs> Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. It says, I am convinced. There it is again. I love the Apostle Paul. He's one of the most, I think, the mon- one of the most influential people in all of the Bible because the Apostle Paul had a great revelation. And the Apostle Paul, he ends up writing about 75% of the New Testament, I think there's about 13 or 14 letters that are attributed to the Apostle Paul. And what the Apostle Paul would do is that he would go to churches, uh, he would go to different areas and then he would plant churches. And then he would leave people there. And, and he was convinced, he's, he's 
talking to the people that, of the churches he's planted. He says, hey, I need, I need you to know something. I'm convinced of something. I'm convinced that God loves me no matter what. I'm convinced. I'm, I'm, I'm in jail right now, but I'm convinced. You know when he writes that? He writes that way. He's about to be beheaded. I'm convinced. They're about to take my life, but he's conquered death. I'm convinced that even while I'm in jail, God has called me to be here. And though I wish I was out there doing missionary work, God has me here. And I feel like I'm stuck here, but I know that he's called me to be here. Who would, I wonder if Paul ever thought that him obeying his calling in that moment while he was a prisoner would have reached someone named Lisa Remedios years later because of his writings. Someone like Yvette. Someone like Margie. Someone like, like for his writings that were in a jail cell. So don't underestimate where you are right now in your calling because you need to be convinced that I got a calling on my life and even when in that in the midst of that calling I feel stuck here's the third one I need you to be convinced of a third thing here it is by the way anytime you come to the church I'm going to preach on three things get used to it here we go I am convinced that God will finish what he started in my life I'm convinced that God will finish what he started in my life. And I wonder why is it that we think that God begins a work and then somehow it becomes our job to finish it. Paul was convinced that he was loved by God, that he was called by God, but also that he was God's craftsmanship that he was also part of the work that God was doing. See, oftentimes we get so caught up in doing the work, not realizing that we are actually the work in God's hands. And Paul says, listen, I'm loved by God. I'm called, I'm convinced of this. Can't nobody tell me different. Can't nobody tell me I ain't loved by God. Can't nobody tell me that I'm not called. But can't nobody tell me that God will not finish what he began in me. Can't nobody tell me that. And what the enemy is so famous in doing is that if he can't get you to doubt that God loves you, and if he can't get you to doubt that you're called by him, he'll get you to doubt that you will ever be effective in what God has called you to do. And he does that with his message of you're not enough, you're not good enough, you won't ever be enough. Oh, you're going to church now? Huh. Oh, that's cute that you're going to church. That's so, that's so awesome that you're going to church now. It's so awesome. But how are you at home? You see, the pre you see the preaching? You see what the devil tries to do? It's always the, the constant message of the enemy is you're not enough. It's not good enough. Oh, oh, so cute. You're going to community group. Oh, big deal. 
but do you have a community group in your home? It's not enough. It's not, it's not enough. Oh, oh, and, and oh, you really dropped the ball this time. And he uses shame and guilt and condemnation to keep you stuck and doubting that God will ever complete his purpose in your life. I can't tell you how many people I've spoken to, so many even my, my own closest to me have doubted this very thing. I love, I love May's testimony because she, would, she was in our ministry for so many years and it was only until a couple of years ago that it hit her. God doesn't love me because of what I do or don't do. And I remember when she speaks to me about it. That's why when people are like, yeah, I know the grace of God. I'm like, yeah, you probably don't. Because the grace of God doesn't look like just like, I got this. When you understand the grace of God, you understand that there's nothing that you can do to comprehend the magnitude of that kind of grace. So the understanding the grace of God never looks like this. I understand the grace of God. It usually looks like, I don't even know where to begin with the grace of God. I, I, I don't even know. I probably got this much of the grace of God because you understand the magnitude and the limitations of your mind to comprehend the grace of God. Even to the point where the apostle Paul writes, he says, listen, God is giving you the Holy Spirit and I pray that the Holy Spirit reveals to you how much God loves you, even though I don't think you could ever reach the heights of how much God loves you. But the enemy will constantly whisper this message. Yeah, but you flipped out on your kids. You're worshiping on Sundays, but you're flipping out on your kids. Can I tell you that that is not God and that is not the Holy Spirit. So if you're hearing that, it's your own, it's the own inner voice that you've created of condemnation or the one that's been influenced by all the years of condemnation that we've lived under the enemy. If you're hearing that voice, it's not the Holy Spirit. You know why I know that? Romans chapter 8 says, Therefore there is now no, zero condemnation for those of us that are in Christ Jesus. None. It's all been eradicated. It's all been erased. The condemnation, the wrath of God in its fullness has been poured out on his son. That's why when people are like, yo, you go soft on sin. I'm like, no, I go hard on sin. That's why it took Jesus' life. All right, worship team can come up. I am convinced that God loves me. I am convinced that I'm called. And I'm convinced that what he started in me, he's faithful to complete it. So when your journey feels like it's not finished and you don't look like what God said you are, Know that God is faithful to complete what he started. And I'm reminded about this blind man in John chapter 9. Oh my gosh. This blind man in John chapter 9. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that they came up to him. And Jesus took dirt and he placed it on the blind man's eyes. And in verse 6 he says, hey... I need you to now go to the pool of Shiloh 
And when you go to that pool, you will be washed and you'll be able to see. What happens is, so much happens between verse 6 and verse 7. God says, hey, you're going to be healed. And your healing is in verse 7. But then there's also miles before you get to Shilion. And I can't tell you how many people we meet from the journey of verse 6 to verse 7 and judge them because they got dirt on their face. But I came to tell you that just because you are in your chapter 6, where you have dirt on your face, where it feels like you were blind and now you've seen worse off since you started following Jesus. Jesus, before I met you, I was blind. Now I'm blind and I got dirt on my face. Now I'm blind and I got mud and spit all over my face. And God is saying, yeah, 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 but I'm not done with you yet. I'm not done. Your story's not done. Your story's not done. Teresha, your story's not done. Angie, your story's not done. Hey, listen, God's not done with you yet. But that's good news because the God that we serve is faithful. That what he started, he is faithful to complete it. And he'll complete it. So if your story is not at the place of victory and conquering and love and acceptance, let me tell you this, that God's not done with you yet if you believe that in this place give God a shout of praise come on get up on your feet as we get ready to worship thank you Jesus if you're watching online and if you're in this room I know that there's some of us here like man I've been convinced of the wrong thing I've been convinced of the wrong thing. I've been convinced. I've been convinced of the wrong thing. Why is it that I've been convinced that I have to earn God's love? Why is it that I'm convinced that I still am trying to get God's approval? Why is it that I'm convinced that someone is better for the job than I am? Why is it that I'm convinced that I'm always going to be stuck here and this is what's going to be my life? I want to remind you today that God is faithful to conclude and complete what he started. And that God's love is unconditional and that he's marked you with purpose. Listen, if you're in this place and you're saying, listen, I want to encounter that love like, I, like I've never encountered it before. If that's you in this place, saying Pastor Ra, I think today I'm, I'm more convinced than ever that God loves me no matter what. That I'm convinced more than ever that I, God has placed a call on my life and that what he started in my life is for you. If that's you in this place, I want to just pray for you right here from this pulpit. I want to pray for you. If that's you and if you're watching in online, would you just lift up your hand? And would you say, that's me, that's me. If you're in this room, would you just lift up your hand? Come on, hands all over the room. If you're saying, pray for me. I really believe this message was for somebody today. your hand right back down thank you online community thank you and I want you to say this prayer with me say Lord I receive your love just, just, just stay there stay there 
One more time. Say, Lord, I receive your love. I am convinced. Come on, there's someone that needs to say it like they are convinced. <sighs> Come on. Come on, there needs to be more Angie's in the room. Say, I am convinced. I am convinced. Come on, even if you have to say it with tears on your face, say, I am convinced that you love me no matter what. Come on, I am convinced that you love me no matter what. Say, I am convinced that you've placed a call on my life. Say, I am convinced that what you started in me you're faithful to complete it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. And for those that are watching online, I just want to make another quick prayer. If you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life and you want to encounter this unconditional love, I just want you to encourage to say this after me. Say, Lord, I give you my life. I receive your love. I am made new because you died for me and rose again on the third day. My sins are forgiven. My sins are washed. And from this day forth, I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. Amen and amen. Now I'm going to encourage you as we begin to worship to join me here on the altar as we begin to sing this song together. Come on, church.